Hello, this is David Sangster, lead pastor at New Life Church. Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. It's our goal to help you grow in your faith and discover all that God has for you. I hope you're encouraged, challenged, and inspired. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles to Luke. We're going to be in Luke today. And I, I let you in a little early on what we're talking about today. Um, we've been talking about a lot of our things. Restoration, uh, reconciliation, rec- reclamation. We stretched it last This is a little hot. I'm getting a buzz. Reclamation. We stretched it a little far last week to get the alliteration going. But this week, we're going to talk about renovation. Renovation. All right? And the big idea for this message is this. Jesus breaks through social norms and prejudices of his day and demonstrates that anyone's life can be transformed, even a life like Zacchaeus. Now, this is a two-part emphasis today. Much of this is going to sound very similar to what we talked about when it came to um, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, how Jesus broke through these stereotypes and these prejudices, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But but the meat of what we're going to talk about today as far as um, this idea of renovation is we're going to be talking mostly about Zacchaeus and what happened to this man. And uh, he was short. Being short is one thing. Being short, mean, and hated by all is an entirely different thing. I just wonder which kid it was that caused Zacchaeus to be Zacchaeus. He was short, and I know there was that kid. You know what kid I'm talking about. That kid who couldn't help but remind him every day that he was short. Every day. Hey, shorty. Well, you do that to a prophet, you get run over by she-bears. Have you ever heard that story in the Bible? Elisha. Oh, man, I got to go there. So, Elisha, it's one of those passages that you want, you scratch your head and you go, why did God decide to put this in the Bible? But it's so so Elijah just crosses the river, and he's got Elijah's mantle on him, and some, some little kids come up and start picking on him. They call him Old Baldy. And apparently, Elijah was very sensitive about his, his you know, follicle deficiency. And he says, and he, he, he puts a curse on him. He said, you should not be disrespectful to the prophet. And... Two bears rumble out of the woods and attack the kids. And they're like mauled. They don't, it doesn't say they died, but they're pretty whooped. So be careful, kids. Any bad thoughts about Pastor Dave, keep them to yourself. I'm not yet follically challenged, but it could happen. There's a lot more bears in Connecticut now. So, And they make great brisket. Bears, barbecue. Anyway, um. I go, oh, I got some amens out of that one. All right. So anyway, some kid, I know it happened, some kid picked on Zacchaeus so much that he turned into this. And this is the, this is the most um, poignant story about overcompensation. He's, he overcompensates for his shortness by doing some crazy things in this time period to his own people. If you've been in the church at all, you know the song, Zacchaeus was... And he, even the song's like a tease. 
Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Hey, that's so rude. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. <laughs> it just sounds like something a kid would say to pick on somebody. Anyway, uh, but that, this is an age-old song, age-old story. And uh, the song doesn't quite do the whole story justice. So we're going to read it. We're going to read the whole story. 19, Luke chapter 19. And it's verse 1 through 8. It's not a long section. But uh, we're going to dissect this a little fur- well, a lot further uh, once we've read the whole thing. So would you follow along with me? 19.1. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector. Remember that. Circle it, highlight it, whatever you got to do. Chief tax collector, okay? He was chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account that he was a wee little man, no, that's what I'm saying. On the account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Maybe Luke was the kid, and I don't know. But he, he brings out this concept that, that Zacchaeus is small, right? He's small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come on down, for I must stay at your house today. Now that seems, you know, okay. Jesus was hungry, wanted some good lunch today. Uh, it's not, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but we ha- you, we're going to go into today why this is a big deal, Okay. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner? Now, what about Zacchaeus? What about Zacchaeus automatically pins him as a sinner? Hmm, Interesting. And Zacchaeus stood, this is after they've been with Jesus for a little while, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, uh, said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I have, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. That is a key phrase, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you for such vivid stories that we can dissect 2,000 years later and see ourselves in the midst. God, give us a backbone that's willing to go places that we shouldn't, quotes. Lord, help us to be able to break down barriers where polite company says we shouldn't be involved. We, that, that person is not worth the gospel. You came to seek and save the lost. Help us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. 
So Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector in Jericho. Another word for him would be a publican or a publicani. These were private contractors in whose official capacity they often, publicans, often supply the Roman legions and military. So if you got debts, I got a great way for you to work those debts off. You can join the army. They, they, they did that. Managed the collection of port duties. Oversaw public building projects. In addition, they served as tax collectors for the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire, you know, in the West, we look at the Roman Empire as being this, the height of, of ancient civilization, their laws, their, their systems. To a Jewish person, they were the enemy. They were dogs. They were Babylon. They were, they were everything that you hated about the world. And a tax collector, a publicani, was their servant. And they were not only uh, tax collectors, but they were, they were harvested from the local population. So this is a Jewish man who decides to get in league with the enemy. So he's not only a person who collects your taxes, but he's also a traitor. Okay? So let's say, this is how it works. Let's say the governor estimates that a tax of a particular region, say the Jericho region, was one million sesterces. Uh, that's a, that's a, a amount, sesterces. One million sesterces. So the governor says, this area of Jericho, we need to collect revenue from this area of Jericho of one million sesterces. Okay? The governor would do this. He would hold an auction. And these publicani would bid for the contract to be able to collect that money. And they would say, this is how they would bid. They'd say, uh, I think I can get 1.3 million cestarces. Okay? And then the other guy would say, I think I can get, you know, whatever. And they would bid, and the highest bid would get the contract. Say, this, would, this, would, this is what would happen. They would give the governor his 1 million, and they would keep the 300,000 for their own public works and things like that. That's how the whole thing worked. Any, anything above what the government said that they needed to pay, they could keep and put towards their public works. So if you were a good publican, you could not only give a, a St. Rome's desire for taxes, but you could actually you know, build your region. Now, this is where it got a little bit more difficult. Um, the publicani would often tax more. Because whatever they taxed, they won their bid, they got their 1.3 million sesterce, they would charge people more. And whatever they got in excess, they would keep. So they became very, very wealthy. And not only that, they were in charge of everything. It was basically state-sanctioned organized crime. Think of it that way. These people were very wealthy. And they had a lot of contacts. They had a lot of um, ability to manipulate to bribe, to cause a lot of problems for people. Um, corruption was rampant. Intimidation and bribery was, it was fraught with this, okay? So yes, he was a fellow Jew, but collected taxes for the Roman government 
from his fellow countrymen and women and getting filthy rich in the process. So, because he was a chief tax collector or publicani, he was the boss of this organized crime ring, basically. This guy's well, I'm trying to get you to the point. This guy is well known. They know what he do, does. And sometimes we think, you know, he was, he, he's not like Matthew. Okay, Matthew, the tax collector that Jesus called to be one of his disciples. Matthew was sitting at the tables. It says in the Bible, Matthew was sitting at the table. He was like the publicani's little minion who actually took the taxes from people at the port or at the street. He, he was not the chief. He was not the publicani. Zacchaeus is at a whole other level. Now you begin to see why these people were just horrified that Jesus was going to his house. What did this mean? It meant this. If Jesus could only be at one place at one time, he went to Zacchaeus' house, means he couldn't go to any of the other people's houses. Everybody wanted Jesus to come to their house, but he decided to go to Capone's house. Maybe he made him a deal. You know, no, I mean, he goes to Capone's house, and they're like, what? You can't do that. You can't do that. Jesus broke down stereotypes, and he was able to see individuals, people. Obviously, Zacchaeus was giving off some kind of need here. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to understand who this Jesus was. Jesus had intrigued him. In a, in, a, in a very particular way, so much so that he would degrade himself to climb a tree. Can you picture Capone in a tree? No. He'd have some other guy go up in a tree for him, you know? Um, the idea is that this man was going out of his way in a counterintuitive way to encounter Jesus. And when people come to Jesus, Jesus never disappoints because he doesn't look at what, you've, what your past is. He looks at what your future could be with him, okay? So that's what Jesus does. Um, he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and then through the meal, it doesn't give a lot of detail of what happened at, at Zacchaeus' house. Um, there's a lot of, you know, talk about what must have gone on there. I, I, I don't think it matters. I think when a repentant heart gets in the presence of Jesus, not much has to happen for a life to change. Jesus does all the work. It's just allowing that heart to be open. So Zacchaeus does a few things here. He says um, he's going to give to the poor. This is an interesting statement because Zacchaeus probably was instrumental in making those poor people poor. poor he's going to give to the poor. Um, he's, he gives a large amount, half of my goods. Half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. Remember when Geraldo tried to open Capone's vault? Does anybody remember that? That was hilarious. 
he's like, it was, it was, like, they don't do that anymore. I think he was the last person to do this live, like, exploration stuff because it was a total, it was hilarious. Hours and hours, people were like, what's in there? What's in there? Nothing. And Harold's like, sorry. <laughs> it was the end of my career. Now he's back. But, um, but we would imagine that somebody of that level would be very, very wealthy. Okay? He got into that in order to become wealthy. So to give half of what he has is a large amount. This is above and beyond the Jewish law. Now, Jewish law says if you steal something from somebody, you owe, and, and, and it's found out, you owe them, I think it's four to six times, maybe an eighth, the amount that you stole in, 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 uh, in damages. You deserve, so Zacchaeus is, I'm going to give four times. If I defrauded anybody, I'm going to give it back fourfold. And, and I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. What happens here? Jesus, Jesus doesn't even, que- well, Zacchaeus, I want to ask you a couple questions, qualifying questions here. Did you say the sinner's prayer? Did you say it? No? We can make an altar right here. That's not what happened. His heart was changed, and everything about him changed in a moment. Okay, and this is where we're going to get into this concept of renovation. All right, everything changed in a moment, and he moved forward as a new man. Jesus says, This man, too, is a son of Abraham. That is a key statement. Why is that so key? Because everybody else associated him now as a Roman. He's a Roman lackey. He's, not even, he, he's worse than a Roman. He's a Jewish person who helps Romans. He's the worst. And he said, this man too, the son of Abraham. Salvation has come to this house today. I want to show you a picture. Throw that picture up, Mike. This is uh, a younger me in the middle here. And this was half of, like, maybe, maybe a third of my youth group. And we all have the I Love New Orleans shirts on. This was after um, Hurricane Katrina came through, and we took a group down to New Orleans to rebuild houses, to help people, to, to share with people. And uh, we were in charge of that house. Ew. That thing was jacked up. It was terrible. We had to, take, we had to strip everything back to the studs. But they had deemed this house able to be renovated. Whereas the other half of my team, where my sister was um, in, in, a, in a contractor from my church, had took another team, and they were doing a house. They tore all the way down to the, and they laid a new foundation, and they had to build it from scratch. And my sister's like, they were telling me to, this is like, um, uh, what's that, com- that company? Uh, Habitat for Humanity. Thank you. Habitat for Humanity. And they're like, they gave me a hammer and said, hang siding. She's like, I don't know how to hang. She's like, these poor people who are going to buy this house, they're going to have siding hung by me, you know. So, <laughs> and they, they had these kids all over, like monkeys, all over the roofs. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. I'm like, I'm going to go with these guys over to this house, and we'll just demo. 
we had to bring this, and we looked, we were like, this is actually a good picture, a good day. Some days we were just covered head to foot in just black whatever. I don't want to know what it actually was. But they deemed that this house, the bones of this house, were healthy. And we could renovate. But in order to get this place to a place where people could live in again, could, could have, could have, it had to be completely demoed down to the studs. And that was a great time. Um, it was not my climate. This is the summer in New Orleans. Uh, see how much skinnier I was back then? I was less weight before we got down there. Um, this was before GPS, too. Like, before I really understood. What, this is like MapQuest pages printed out, right? I'm trying to get from the other side of Lake Pontchartrain to this building site, and I cannot find my way anywhere. And so Lisa became like Siri. I'd call her up. She'd be at work at ESPN, and I'd call her up. I'm like, honey, I have no idea where I'm at. And she'd say, what, give me a couple roads. And she'd look it up on the computer and say, all right, all right, ready? Go left. What do you see now? Oh, I see this. All right, quick, go right. The van full of kids. Ah, you know, uh, but it was a lot of fun, wasn't it, Lisa? She's like, no. But man, we had such a great time. We were serving people. We were, we were um, having a chance during the middle of the day. Um, we'd take a break, and we would go play basketball in the local park. And uh, kids would come out, and they'd want, I mean, they didn't have much going on at that time because it was just desolate. So um, they'd see a bunch of, you know, teenagers out in the park, and they would all come out, and we'd play ball with them, we'd talk to them, uh, share the gospel with them. It was really uh, a phenomenal time. And the beignets, whoa, it was worth it. So, renovations, I, I'm big into HGTV. I don't know if anybody knows, is, is, anybody else like the HGTV? Do you realize it's one show that they play over and over again? It's one show. And they're so smart that they, like, before they go to the commercial after the first the, the show you're watching, they start the next show, and then they go to commercial. But then you're already hooked. What are they going to do with this house? <laughs> the same thing they did to the last house. It's very much the same show. But I love it. I love that whole renovation thing. But what happens so often in these shows is that they start pulling, they're going to redesign the house, they're going to move walls and all this stuff. They start finding that the homeowners that were living there, or maybe the homeowners before them, or the home, have done some jinky work. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I see heads down. Oh, you know, yeah. When you ever buy an older home, you've you got to be ready for that. You know, there's knob and tube. There's, you know, plumbing that's all corroded and uh, all these types of things. So what they have to do is they have to strip it back, and they have to renovate not just the things that you see, the nice things. See, Zacchaeus is going to start doing things now. And it's going to look, they're going to have to decide what's going on with Zacchaeus because he's going to start doing the opposite of what he had done. But the change in Zacchaeus' life is much deeper than just the philanthropy that's going to be coming out of him now. He's changed. Jesus sees him very clearly, that salvation has come to this house. See, sometimes we got to go back 
you know, we, we, get the, we get saved. Or, Jesus, or, or, or we're, we're intrigued by this person, Jesus. And we like it. And we like what some of the things that he says, some of the, some of the, the, the things that um, resonate with us about, you know, being a good person. And, 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 and be, one thing we, we really like is not going to hell. We like that part. You know, if I get close with this Jesus, maybe I won't go to hell. That sounds like a good plan. Okay. My fear is this. My, my fear is this, is that many Christians will have an encounter with Christ, and they'll move forward and start putting Band-Aids over heart surgery. They'll start fixing plumbing with a Band-Aid. Or they'll, you know, instead of running new wire, they'll just create a junction box and close it in the wall. You can't do that. People are like, what's wrong with that? You can't do that. That's a fire hazard. Don't do that. Okay, you can do it right. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is this today, guys. If we want to have a productive life in Christ, if we want all that God has for us, we need to go back and heal and fix and, re- and renovate some of those broken parts of our lives. I've seen too many Christians struggle with things from their past because they've never dealt with them. They've just moved forward. They moved into the house and they've kind of fixed it up a little bit, but there's things behind the walls that are rotting. There's termites. There's water damage. And I, I feel like Zacchaeus is a great example of this renovated house. It's deep. He knows that he's got to take care of some stuff. You know, he didn't say, all right, thank you, Jesus, for coming to my house. Hell's we're, we're, we're all good with the hell part, right? Okay, good. From now on, from this point on, I'm going to be a good guy. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I only charge the taxes I'm supposed to charge. That would be a good thing, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that would be a good thing. But he realizes that there's things in his past that are so egregious that they will affect his future if he doesn't take care of them. He needs a clean house. His breakthrough is not just a into the future thing. His breakthrough happens when he deals with his past. And I'm telling you, I, I don't, it's not in the scriptures, but I'm telling you, it may have to do with the wound from that kid in third grade who said, hey, shorty, and every single day called him a, a midget and a shorty and a whatever. It may be that far back, that wound that caused him to overcompensate and become this great little man. We need to deal with some of the things in our past that are not good. We need probably to go and ask some, ask some people for forgiveness. There's some two very powerful words that will set you free. It may not set the other person free, but it will set you free. I'm sorry. Guys? <laughs> Ladies? If we, if we were able to... One of the things that we, we, we read way back in the day, Lisa and I were... Um, going through this um, marriage book with a group of people. 
And one of the people said, we made it a game, the people who wrote the book said, we made it a game that whoever said I'm sorry first won. So <laughs> it became like this thing, like whoever's going to get there first, you win. So it became the competition became, oh, dang it, you said it first. And they got mad at each other for that, and they had to stop the game. But um, they, were, they were honest at least. But there's, there's so much power in the, in the humility of I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, Pastor, I could not say I'm sorry to somebody because you don't know what caused the problem. Probably not. But I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about you. God's going to have to dig. They're not sitting in the seats today. God's dealing with you on something. Maybe someday some pastor will tell them the same thing or some, or, or some friend will say, and, and, and they, might never, they might not even accept your apology. We're not trying to renovate their life. We're trying to re- renovate our lives. And the only way it's possible is because now we have this Holy Spirit, this Jesus in our lives that says, before you couldn't do it. It was too hard. Your ego was too big. But I've, I've come to break through. And now through my power and my help, you can do things that you never thought you could do. And that one thing might be the words, I'm sorry, to somebody who's, who you've hurt because they hurt you and then you hurt them back. And I had a very um, influential man in my life. And uh, over a period of time, there was some hurt feelings on both sides. And I really felt hurt by this person. And... And I felt justifiably hurt. And my reactions, I I justified my reactions based on what they did to me. Well, fast forward a few years, um, and I'm I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm before God. God, what do you... What is holding, I was one of those moments, what is holding me back? What's, what's keeping me from, from growing? Is there anything in my life that's keeping me from getting to the next level with you? To help the church, I wanted this church to, is there anything in my life that's keeping this church back? Is there anything, you know, what is, reveal it to me. And in, in my prayer, in, in, in my spirit, I heard, you need to set up an appointment. Not that, God. Anything but that. You, you know, you walked through the tears. You walked through the panic attacks. You walked through all that with me. You know it wasn't my fault. You need to set up an appointment. You need to apologize. So I waited about a week. <laughs> I had to process that whole thing. I'll be honest with you. I was like, okay, let's do it. No, I needed to, I waited I had some conversations with some trusted people, and those trusted people said, um, why are we having this conversation? If God tells you to do something, do it. Okay, that's what I needed to hear. Let's do this. So I set up this appointment with this, with this gentleman, and uh, he was very, very surprised. Did not expect there to be, ever to be this intimate conversation. 
And I said, listen, I know we struggled. Things were said on both sides of it. And I said, but I'm here today because I want to say I'm sorry for my part. I, I said and I did some things that I'm not proud of. And I really feel that I, as a person, cannot move forward in my relationship with God or in my ministry until I've come clean and just apologize to you. So please, I, I hope you can forgive me. If you can't, I understand. And, uh, and I wish I could say, like, he said, oh, Dave, I'm sorry, too. And we cried. The wounds healed. That's not what happened. He said, thank you. You were just, you were just a little bit young at that time. God, uh, where's the lightning? You know, uh, but then we started to talk about other things. And the conversation went well. And I le- I'll tell you, I left there that day. With, I went in there. My, I, I, I retained stress in my chest. I can feel it. It's like somebody's laying on it. I went out of that place completely free. And we haven't really spoken since. It wasn't, it wasn't about restoring this, you know, let's have coffee now. No, it wasn't, about, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. But what I'm saying is that when you hear from God, that you need to do something. I'm just using that as an example. I'm sorry example. Maybe there's other things in your life that you need to deal with. Maybe it's somebody who's wounded you. And you need to come to terms with that and, and, and really bring that to light and let the Holy Spirit deal with that thing. Well, all I'm saying is this today, guys, is that we have a hard time moving into something great and being everything that God wants us to be when we have skeletons in the closet. When we have leaky pipes in the, underneath the brand new wall. When we build our infrastructure on faulty foundations. We always think, well, God has saved me and we're moving forward. I'm telling you right now, God has saved you for the future, but he's also say, he can save you from your past. He can heal the wounds of your past so you don't have to carry them into the future. He can completely heal, completely restore. And you can have the life that he meant for you to have in a way that you never thought possible because you had all that baggage on. One of the greatest stories of all time is Pilgrim's Progress. And, and, and at the end of Pil- in the beginning, actually the beginning of Pilgrim's Progress, at the beginning of Pilgrim's Progress, we have this moment where Christian, the main character, he comes to the cross right? Comes to the cross after quite a journey, comes to the cross. And up until that point, he's got this burden on his back. He's got this weight. And this is the, 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 the analogy is that, you know, he's got this weight on his back. He's got this backpack and it's full of, it's huge, it's huge. And he's got this thing on and he comes and he kneels before the cross. And, 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 and he's saved. And then he moves on into his journey, still wearing that backpack. A whole, no. 
Because it's not just about his future. It's about taking care of his past, the baggage that he grew up with, the baggage that has come through people that he never deserved, but people gave to him. The things he did, the things he said, the things that were done and said to him have built up on his shoulders. And in order to move into that new life that God has for you, God took that burden and it rolled off his shoulders and down the hill, never to be seen again. And then he moved forward. My fear is that many Christians accept the freedom of Christ to, in their future without ever shedding the past. God wants to heal you completely. He wants you to have a new skip in your step. He wants you to be the person that he's always created you to be, and he did not create you with all these wounds and all this baggage. This is stuff that's been put on you over years. And my, my sense is that there's a lot of Christians who are not living in victory. They're holding on. They, they, they don't, maybe they don't know that that's available. Maybe they just think it's all about the future. It's not. It's about dealing with your past. Zacchaeus had some stuff to do. Before he could be everything that God wanted to be, he needed to go back and take care of some of his past so that he could move into the future that God wanted him to live. And that, I believe, is why Jesus is so excited about Zacchaeus. He represents a person who's not afraid to let the influence of the Holy Spirit impact his past, his garbage, his sins. Salvation in Christ is not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of a new a new journey, a new adventure of dealing with life in a whole new different way. It's not like we can just keep going about life the way life has been done. It should, be cha- it should change everything. That's what Jesus wants to do. And I don't think we give him everything. I think we give him just the stuff we want to give him. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. With God, there is no secrets. Doesn't it seem insane to try to keep things from God? Max Lucado wrote a book a while back, and it was all about, all about the house that, you know, Jesus wants to come into our hearts, right? And he's saying, what is that, how, how does Jesus live in our lives? And he talks about our heart being compartmentalized by different rooms. And he goes through the different rooms, the living room, the, all these different spaces. And, and he characterizes many Christians as being um, willing to let God into certain rooms. But there's keep out signs on certain rooms as well. And God is always trying to get in those rooms. And we keep saying, oh, no, 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 that's we don't go in the basement, God. <laughs> That's where we keep all the skeletons. We don't go in the basement. But I want to go in the basement. I want to I'll help you clean your house. 
No, no, you're a guest in my house. Come stay in the living room. I'll show you all the best parts of me. The living room. Let's go into the kitchen. We'll even do the Lord's Supper together. So Christian. But I, but I really want to go in the basement. Jesus, back in the living room, please. You're not allowed in the basement. I want to go and look in your medicine cabinet. No! In fact, I'm going to put the medicine cabinet in the basement. Yeah. There's certain places that we want to keep God out of. Kind of like we tidy up for company coming, but not someone who's actually going to live there. You know what I'm talking about. You take all the stuff that's all over the house and you throw it in one closet. <laughs> And as soon as everybody goes, like a cartoon. We, 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 we prepare for Jesus in our lives like we would prepare for a guest. Not the new owner of the house. Who's going to take a sledgehammer to some walls. He's going to fix some faulty wiring. Right? He's going to clean up that basement, he's going to sure up the foundations. He has access to every part of who we are. That's what Jesus wants to do, and he will do it if we will let him. We've got to remember this. We've talked about this in the past. The Holy Spirit that comes and lives in us is what we would call an indwelling spirit, not a possessing spirit. The, the guy we talked about last week, you know, the, the demon possessed, he was, he was possessed by a legion of demons, possessed by a legion of demons. The Holy Spirit is not that kind of spirit. The Holy Spirit is an indwelling spirit that works with you, with the person. So if you want to keep him out of that room, he ain't going to break down that door. But he wants, to, he wants to renovate. He wants to work with you. He wants to clean up every single room. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Those same hands, remember, are nail scarred for you. And that's what I got for you today. I got all that out of Zacchaeus was a wee little man. What does God want to do? What kind of renovations does God want to make in your life? Maybe you got a chip on your shoulder. You see people in a very negative light because of something you've had in your past. Well, a lot of people did that to Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't see him that way. Maybe we need that chip to be sanded off a little bit. Let Jesus help us to see people in a new light. Maybe we have a, a temper. I've been there. God's always been working on me on that. And he's not done yet. He's the kid's song. He's still working on me. Right? Kids got the greatest songs. Make me what I ought to be. Maybe it's a temper. Maybe it's a maybe it's a wound from the past. Maybe it's uh, abuse issues from your past that you've had with uh, family members or uh, a parent. Maybe it's a divorce situation that really 
really hurt you or something. Go back. What is God saying? I want to I clean that up. I want to make, I, I make it so it's not a thing for you anymore. It's always going to be part of your past, but let me renovate it. Let me bring you into a place where you're completely clean, every single room. So this is my challenge for you today. Take one of those do not enter signs off today. Open one room of your life that God has been locked out of. Open one. I don't know what he's speaking to you today, but open up one room where you, before you said, God, you're not allowed in this room. You're not allowed to touch that thing. And let him have it. it sometimes it's overwhelming to say, all right, God, I'm opening up the whole basement. Maybe it's just the, the pantry or the hall closet. Maybe you just stuff some stuff away that really you need to let God clean up. Take one sign off a door today and let God clean it completely. And then after that, start looking for a bigger room. Maybe the bathroom. I don't even know what that would represent. But anyway, uh, the analogy falls apart a little bit. But you get what I'm saying. I hope you get what I'm saying. Let God in. Let God in. Let him, let him renovate your past so that you can, in freedom, move into your future. Lord, thank you for this day. God, I know that there's people here today who are, you're, you're giving thoughts to. You, you, are, you are pointing things out like you did to me when I asked. You're being very exact <laughs> with what room you want to get into. And Lord, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, once where they were not able to open that door, that today, because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, they were able to open that door afresh and say, God, come in. Influence, guide, direct, clean. Lord, I pray that you would bind up the brokenhearted, that you would heal wounds from our past that keep us from moving into our future. And Lord, I pray that by next week, they would have felt lighter, freer, and that you would have, they would have a good report. Today, salvation has come to this closet that they've opened up. Salvation has come to this issue. Salvation has come to this wound. Salvation has come to this relationship. Salvation has come to their, their, their anxiety. Salvation has come to their anger. Salvation has come to their mental well-being, salvation has come. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, the name that is above all other names, all the spiritual darkness that exists that tries to find a, a, a stronghold in our homes, in our houses, in our being. That is a name that is far above all those names. We give it to you. We ask you to be with us this week, next week, and into our future as you clean up our past. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have an amazing week. Next week, we're dealing with fear. Be here. Hit that line.